I had no idea that all your theaters are basically controlled by the government. That you cannot get anything into the theater unless you go through the government and they approve what you are saying and that it can be in Canada. I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, you know, it's hard to imagine for some people that not much more than a year ago, in places like Alberta, Canada, and California, and the United States, we were locked down. Uh, we were restricted in where we could go and what we could do and how far apart we were supposed to stand from each other. And we were wearing masks. Well, one of the things that is troubling about that time, that period of the pandemic, and isn't talked about enough, is how the church responded, how the Christian churches in Canada and the United States responded to being locked down, to, be, to being told that their churches had to close, to restrict the number of people who could attend and the ways that they could worship, having to stand six feet apart, not being, being able to share fellowship or take communion. Well, we have a guest on today who has actually had the opportunity to create and, and direct and write a new film called The Essential Church about that uh, really important time in our history and to document that for us. And his name is Shannon Halliday. Welcome to the program, Shannon. It's great to see you again. Oh, it's great seeing you. Thanks for having me on. Well, I remember well having you and your entire crew in my office, and you guys just took over. You were so professional, and uh, I'm actually very proud and excited uh, to have a small, small role uh, in this new documentary, that, which I understand is coming out. It's going to premiere on the 23rd of July, right? It's premiering there, but really it's coming out the 28th. That's our big day, July 28th in the States. Uh, we're hoping to have a, a theatrical release nationwide. All right. So I'm excited to talk to you about this. I know that you wrote this the script to this movie and that you've also uh, been the director. A couple of my uh, clients, uh, both of whom who have been guests on this program, are, I guess, stars are featured in the film. We're going to dive into it. Before we go there, as we always do, we're going to frame our discussion with a few uh, aphorisms, quotations. Uh, the first one is uh, from Thomas Jefferson, uh, who wrote that the constitutional freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. Secondly, from another giant of the American constitutional period, Thomas Paine wrote that spiritual freedom is the root of political liberty, as the union between spiritual freedom and political liberty seems nearly inseparable, it is our duty to defend both. And finally, from a man we're going to talk about today, uh, who's very important to uh, the, the movie and, of course, the church that, that uh, is behind it all, Mr. John MacArthur, who was quoted as saying, in a world of selfishness, greed, inequity, inequity and injustice, believers need to be set apart by their consuming love for God and their sacrificial love for others. That's the kind of holy living that brings salt and light to this dark, decaying world. So 
want to start off uh, with you, Shannon, by maybe talking a little bit about a big part of what you're doing then is your truth telling through your film. And that's a big part of what's going on in the essential church, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we saw this as an opportunity to tell the truth about a story of how things unfold. And it really kind of its genesis came from the fact that when we decided to open, a lot of people left our church. A lot of people yeah. were upset with us and thought we were doing the wrong thing. Right. And they thought that John MacArthur went off the rails. They thought we were all just going along with it. And um, you couldn't tell them otherwise and you couldn't convince them yeah. otherwise. And so the idea became, well, what if we made a movie about this that kind of pulled back the curtain, even on our own church, and showed the process that our elders and what the church had to go through to come to the conclusion that we're actually going to sue the government and we're going right. to take a stand and take it to them legally. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if you would have told me before COVID that Grace Church was going to sue the government, I would have said, no way. We're yeah. a church that teaches that you should submit to the government that the government mm. ordained by God. And the Bible says that. But that's the interesting thing is that there is another side to the coin when understanding that. And um, right. the people that left were only looking at the one side of the coin. And we wanted to make sure we showed that other side of the coin by doing this film. Right. Uh, so it's just a great story to tell, too. This is, you know, at the time, I don't know if people realize how kind of historical this was. And we want to make sure that we, we, you know, put our stake in the ground and that people remember what happened and tell that story and tell it well. Yeah. One, one of the amazing things about, uh, about Grace Church uh, is how, how prepared they seem to have been uh, for the pandemic. In fact, um, I noticed in one of the trailers, there's an old uh, recording of, of one of, uh, uh, of Mr. MacArthur's sermons where he actually talks about, you know, what would happen? What would we do if they tried to shut down the church? It was like from 1975 or something. And uh, there's a quotation on here uh, from, uh, you know, from, from the website for the film. It says, Christ is the one true head of his church, and we intend to honor that vital truth in all our gatherings. For that preeminent reason, we cannot accept and will not bow to the intrusive restrictions government officials now want to impose on our congregation. And so... Uh, it's remarkable how, uh, I guess, properly situated Grace Church was to take on this battle, um, uh, which was, uh, let's face it, it was a bit of a, a David and Goliath. Uh, but ultimately, they won. They had, they actually won. And that's a brilliant story that's told in the film. Am I right? Absolutely. And that part is actually in the film as well, where that tape is found. The tape, uh, you know, he has a sermon ministry, uh, a sermon ministry called grace to you where all of his sermons are recorded and then distributed and back in the 70s it was distributed through tape so we right. actually find the tape uh from 1975 and play that <laughs> That's um, amazing yeah but here's the interesting thing um i think people see that and they see john MacArthur and they think oh all of grace church agreed they were all unanimous they were all perfectly prepared for this and um they instantly made the right decision and there was no drama no division, but that's actually not true. And so mm -hmm. there was division amongst our elders. There was uh, at, at one point, I mean, I mean, that's John MacArthur got it right in 1975. And then right. when he did the warning of like, okay, the government's never said this before, 
And I, and I have it in the documentary where he says, it's like they're saying a hurricane is going to come and everybody's going to die. So obviously we're going to be like, well, they must know what they're talking about. Right. And right. But we're ignorant to what, what actually was coming. Um, and so when it was clear that it was not what they said it was, and he wanted to open back up, you know, he, he can't just do that. He's not the leader of the, he's a leader and he's our, our senior pastor, but we have 40 elders. So 40 elders right. actually act, actually have to become unanimous in their decision. That's how we process. We're an really? elder church and they have to be, yeah. they have, to have unanimity in everything they do. And if they don't have it, wow. they have to iron it out until they do. So, and so they were, they were unanimous in making the decision to stay open then. Correct. They had to become wow. unanimous, but that was a process. So it wasn't just John MacArthur running roughshod, doing whatever he wanted to do. You had to get mm -hmm. 40 men who actually had various opinions on this matter to all agree. Um, right. and, and there is a process of evolution in their theology. And I actually go into that into the documentary. It's very interesting. So I actually pull back the curtain and you can kind of see that process of how they got to the point of where they became unanimous. Right. And, and it wasn't without cost. They yeah. actually lost some elders over this. Yeah. And so I'm sure there was a discussion about Romans 13 and obedience to the state and things like that. Yes. Um, I wonder how that all how that all got worked out so that the, so that they they became unanimous in in standing up to the to the to the government's tyranny. Yeah, um, uh, there we have a pastor called um, his name is Mike Riccardi, and he was right. kind enough and humble enough to kind of share his evolution on the matter because he was very yeah. much on the uh, we are doing the right thing by shutting down. Um, and, um, he tells a story about how a friend of his challenged him and challenged him to look at Romans 13 again, and to read some other resources that would help him in his studies. And one of those was Martin Lloyd Jones. I don't know if right. you're with him, but I have heard, I have heard of him. Yes. Yeah. Martin Lloyd Jones, um, was an amazing preacher in the fifties and sixties. Mm -hmm. um, I think you can actually still hear some of his sermons on uh the martin lloyd jones trust or foundation oh it's that's a blessing yeah. yeah it's amazing yeah. but basically they took his sermons on romans and um made commentaries out of it and he has an excellent one on romans uh, dedicated to romans 13 the chapter and um he talks about how he discovered that the bible actually teaches that there are spheres of authority that there right. is the family sphere there is the state sphere and that there is the government sphere and that they mm -hmm. are all ordained by God, but they all work coordinate to one another, not one on top of the other, but all answering right. to God. Right. And um, so the concept of the separation of church and state <laughs> comes from the Bible, which is right. which is hilarious because you'll see the atheists going to a courthouse saying we need to remove that statue of the Bible or of the Ten Commandments. Because this is the, I, you know, we need to have separation of church and state, and that's showing favoritism. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the only way we know about the separation of church and state. It's actually taught right. in the Bible. So you're removing yeah. the thing that actually gives us what our country is actually based on. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, atheistic so. wisdom. In any case, I want to talk about, get back to the film, and talk about uh, one aspect that we haven't discussed yet, and that is location. I know for a director, this is a huge thing. And so you weren't just filming in California. You actually came to multiple locations in Canada 
And also you were over in Scotland, right? In Edinburgh. You want to talk about some of the challenges and the excitement of filming in multiple locations like that? Yeah. First of all, I'll, I'll start with Scotland. And Scotland is amazing. So if you ever have a chance, I don't know if you've been there. It's I have not yet. I'd love to go there. Yeah. And it is beautiful. It is a great country. But when I um, got the opportunity to do this film and I was putting together the pitch and and then when I got that improved writing the script, um, one of the things that I wanted to make sure was a part of the film was the aspect of church history. Right. Um, because there are parallels in church history with what we went through uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought that that was an interesting parallel. There were actually parallels even in certain days and dates, which if you see the film, you'll see the connection that I make there. It's very interesting. But mm -hmm. um, that takes us to Scotland because um, one of the things that our statement that we came out with called Christ, not Caesar, uh, when we came yeah. out with that on July, well, they voted on July 23rd and then it was put out July 24th, 2020. Yeah. Um, it references church history, specifically the Covenanters and the Puritans and the Great Ejection. So the Covenanters right. are Scottish and that takes us to Scotland. And so right. I wanted to go there because um, there was certain um, ways that I was going to weave that into the story. And I had a couple interviewees out there. Uh, one gentleman called Ian Hamilton, who's a Scottish um, Presbyterian pastor. Um, and I wanted to uh, interview him. And he really is, does an amazing job in telling these stories about the Covenanters, about the Great Ejection. And um, and that's what I, I, I really, as a filmmaker, was excited about this because I, I really leaned into this, the storytelling of that history. So it's not right. just a academic talking heads. This really is storytelling. Um, right. And um, I love it. I love the opportunity to do that. And I was super excited. So I went there and I was filming certain locations at Scotland that um, moves with our story as well as interviewing Ian Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, we went to Canada because another aspect of this film that was very important to me was the global aspect of it. And I thought the best way to represent that was the Canadians and what they went through. Yeah. Um, and I want, I, it's not just about Grace Church, it's about the church. And I right. want to make sure that that's understood historically. That's why we go to the past. And I want to make sure that we're looking at it globally. That's why we went to Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. what, what happened there was, I mean, you know, I'm always amazed. Uh, uh, the word I use is appalling. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm appalled, amazed at how screwed up Canada is. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I'm fascinated by it because I would yeah. think that they're similar in, you know, we're looking, for example, we're trying to distribute this film. We look into Canada and the theaters there. I had no idea that all your theaters are basically controlled by the government. Yes. You cannot get anything into the theater unless you go through the government and they approve what you are saying and that it can be in Canada. No. And I don't know of anything more totalitarian than that because yeah. they get it they're saying we're going to control the storytelling because we mm -hmm. know that storytelling is what equips people to think yeah. and live their life so we're going to control the stories that are told in canada and that's appalling right. for me anyway yeah. i digress um the church was at the feeling the brunt of that totalitarianism in canada and yes and we saw the fruit of that and we we got to see what was really going on up there 
and mm-hmm. the fact that pastors were imprisoned uh, is, I cannot believe that. I mean, when that was happening, yeah. what is going on in Canada? Um, so, yeah. I mean, we were threatened with imprisonment, but there was also in the back of our mind, let's see them try it. They threatened yeah. us. Let's see if they have the guts to do it. Well, they did in Canada. They, they had. Yeah, no sure doing. did. Yeah. You know, Grace Church in, in, uh, in Stony Plain, that's James Coates's church, as you know. Uh, not only was Pastor Coates um, imprisoned and he was held uh, under a condition of bail that he, he could not accept, which essentially would violate his religious conscience, would prevent him from preaching the word of God, which is his, his sacred vocation. But the church itself was triple barricaded for months. and was turned into a police barracks for all the world to see. That is a mark of shame that that I don't think uh, will will ever be removed from from our nation and from our province of Alberta, and uh, it it really is truly horrifying. Then, of course, we have Timothy Stevens in Calgary, who, if you can believe it, was imprisoned because he was holding an outdoor church service. He was actually having to move his congregation around to undisclosed undisclosed locations, and they had a drone follow him around and finally catch him. Um, you know, under and, and, and arrest him under uh, because he, you know, he violated um, the, this this draconian order that you could not have, uh, you know, large gatherings outside. It really is hard to imagine. But the scary thing is, and uh, and, and I hope people will, will get out and see this film, is that all of this could happen again. All the emergency powers that were used in Canada and elsewhere uh, are still in place. I don't know of any government that's that swept them aside, and uh, and so this danger, you know, still persists if we are not vigilant, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons we made the film. We want to put steel in the veins of Christians around the globe that when this happens again, they think about no, the church is not the government's jurisdiction. They don't control the polity of the church. They don't control um, how we worship. They don't have any say in that. Um, and individuals, quite frankly, are smart enough to figure out what they need to do medically. The church is not the police of that. Uh, right. It's the government. So right. um, anyway, yeah, that's the point of the film, to, to put steel in the veins of those folks. And, you know, you mentioned um, how they barricaded the church and they were going to secret locations. And I mentioned earlier that there's a parallel in church history. Well, during the Great Ejection, there were over 2,000 ministers ejected from their pulpit because they would not submit. Yeah, they would not submit to the guidelines that the state was telling them how to do church. And some of those guidelines weren't necessarily bad. They were Mm. kind of amoral. It wasn't like, you know, you could or couldn't do it. The Bible didn't necessarily forbid it. But what the Bible doesn't say is that the government has the right, the state has the right to be the head of the church. Only Christ is the head of the church, not the government. So the very idea that they were saying, we're going to be the head of the church, uh, the king, the monarchy, which essentially is the state, is going to run the church. Um, We can't just hand that over. And they were ejected from their pulpits because of that conviction. And get this, they started to have secret church, just like the Canadians. But the government recognized that some of these people were having secret church. So they made a law called the Conventicle Act. Um, the Conventicle Act forbid people gathering 
past a certain number, if that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, it sure does. And only family members and non-family members couldn't meet with you. So if you had a gathering over a certain amount of people and they were non-family members, you were breaking the law. So isn't that an interesting parallel it that is. the government was trying to control the church through that as well, or just the gathering of it? And I mm -hmm. thought, oh, that's that's so fascinating. Yeah. And there's lots of parallels like that with the Book of Common Prayer and the guidelines and, and what happened with the whole concept. Mm -hmm. The, you know, Christians in the 1600s had to flesh out the concept of why they could tell the state, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And they had to flesh it out biblically because they were Christians. They wanted to be true to the Bible. So they had yeah. to biblically flesh out those concepts of why we can say that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, like the Bible says to, you know, for the wife to submit to the husband. But the Bible doesn't say for the wife to submit to the husband when the husband does something he's not supposed to be doing. It doesn't say, <laughs> you know, submit to his sin and disobey God. It doesn't right. say, you know, so there, there obviously is a qualifier there. We're yeah. called to submit to the government. But if the government is doing something they shouldn't, we know they're not supposed to be doing, like trying to take over the church. We don't submit to them in that, obviously. Right. It's yeah. not a blanket submission, just like it wouldn't be a blanket submission to the wife, to her husband, you yeah. know? So, no. yeah, it's a similar thing. One of the things that, that unfolded, you know, there's the old adage that, you know, what, what, what the devil does for evil, the Lord turns, turns, turns for good. And one of the incredible things that's happened, uh, that's come out of, uh, you know, the COVID-19 lockdowns is that un although it's, it's saddening and concerning that, so many churches, you know, just rolled over and submitted to government tyranny and closed their churches down. Though the churches that stood up, the ones like Pastor Coates and Pastor Stevens and others, um, th that they have attracted so many people to their churches. I know from speaking to Pastor Coates that the size of his congregation has, has tripled uh, in the aftermath of this. I mean, to me, this is a really encouraging sign. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. And the churches that shut down really missed an opportunity to let their light shine for Christ. They really missed an opportunity. Um, there's a story, um, a testimony in, in the documentary of a gentleman in Canada who um, he, he woke up in the hospital. He had a stroke and he woke up in the middle of COVID and then he eventually went home. But everything was shut down. He suffered with depression. He started suffering with alcoholism and everything was shut down. And he's on the verge now. He's in this dark place where he's considering suicide. And he hears on the news that Tim Stevens church is open, this little Baptist right. church in Calgary. And he says, well, you know what? I'm going to go there. What else? do I, what, what do I got to lose? Right. And um, he went there. He heard the gospel. He heard that the, the whole truth, that he is a sinner, depraved, that he is in need of atonement, that it's Christ who is that does that atoning work full and complete for him. And he repented and believed in Christ, the Son of God. And yeah. now he's a Christian. He's no longer an alcoholic. Incredible. And he has hope. So if the church, yeah. if Tim Stevens' church shut down, that wouldn't have happened. You can't shut down the church in the midst of the darkest moment in history that's when the church is supposed to shine that's that's wonderful to hear you know this is the the part of the program that we have uh, that's called the reading list uh, shannon and 
And uh, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go first and give you a couple minutes to kind of collect your thoughts. So I've got a couple of books here that I've pulled from the uh, impressive and deep library of John MacArthur. Uh, these are two that I've read. Folks, there are many, many more. This man has been a prolific uh, uh, preacher and evangelist and writer. Uh, but one of his books is called uh, Right Thinking in a World Gone Wrong. And uh, so this book is is really trying to help people understand to to face the greatest challenges facing Christians today, which is the powerful influence of secular thinking. So uh, that's one of our books. The second one, which is kind of a companion to it, is called Stand Firm, another John MacArthur book. And here uh, he talks about how the Christian life is a war for holiness. Uh, our calling is to be is to be set apart, uh, lands us in the crosshairs of a culture that opposes God's truth. Even as the world around us is changing, our battle remains the same, to withstand the temptation to compromise in sin or retreat from suffering. And the lockdowns are really very much about that, as we talked about with our guest today. So, Shannon, do you have some ideas, uh, some books that have touched you that you think would be, or, or some other... Um, uh, resources that uh, you think would be helpful or useful to our viewers in getting a better understanding of the topics that we've been covering today and especially that are that are that are featured in your film yeah uh, I got a few of them swimming through my head right now um, I'll give you um, just as far as foundational Christian fundamental of what a Christian is what the gospel is um, my pastor wrote a book i think it was maybe one of his first books or close to it one of his big most successful books it's called a Go the gospel according to jesus right i think every christian should read that i think everybody i think everybody should read it if you're not a christian it's the gospel according to jesus that was instrumental in um, my walk with christ another book that i is in my mind is um are you familiar with samuel rutherford Yes. Uh, yeah. So I believe he was in the late 1500s when he yeah. wrote his book, and I believe it's called Lex Rex, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, that goes through the idea of why the law is king, Lex, Rex, right. Rex, Lex. Right. He, the king is law, would be Rex, Lex. He says Lex, Rex which is right. the law is king, not the king is law. And yes. that is a Christian principle. That's what I was mm -hmm. talking about earlier. That comes from the Bible. Uh, Shannon, we're so grateful for you uh, to take the time to be with us. We know you're very busy getting ready for the premiere of the movie. Uh, but, uh, you know, God bless you for the work that you're doing in creating these wonderful films. Uh, and uh, we wish you much continued success in all the work that you're, that you're doing uh, on behalf of of Grace Church and really uh, uh, on behalf of Christians everywhere. So thanks very much for being our special guest today. Well, thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. I loved it. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for representing uh, Coates and Stevens and helping them and uh, doing this show and doing what you guys are doing up there in Canada. It's, it's greatly needed.